So, Resurrection Sunday. Are we up there on the board yet? No? There we go. Old news is still good news. Amen? Old news is still good news. You know, I think we have to really look at three things, three questions we have to ask ourselves about Resurrection Sunday. Firstly, what actually happened that day? What happened that day, Resurrection Sunday? Secondly, what does it mean for us? What does it mean for you guys? What does it mean for me? What does it mean for these little ones? What's it mean for the world? What does it mean for us? And finally, the most important one, how then should we live? How then should we live? Now, um, I think um, Pastor Estelle preached half my message this morning. So if you weren't paying attention, it's okay. You're going to get, uh, get um, an, another dose. But I really want to focus on what happened that day to begin with. <clears throat> and if we read in the book of Luke, chapter 24, verses 1 to 9. Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 9. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, They said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Last week I shared on about expectation. You remember about the triumphal entry? So last week I shared about the triumphal entry and how the, the Jews were expecting a Messiah to come. They were expecting a deliverer of Israel. They were expecting a, a, a military leader to ride on a war horse into Jerusalem, kick out the oppressing forces of the Roman Empire to establish the Davidic kingdom again, to bring him back the golden age of Israel when they were free from oppression from other forces, that they were united as a, as a country, and that they were living prosperity and peace. That's what they are expecting. Unfortunately for them, what they got was someone riding on a donkey, the Prince of Peace, saying peace. And not only that, but their Messiah that they thought that was coming didn't overthrow the Romans, didn't take down any uh, political systems or didn't deliver the kingdom of Israel. He actually got handed over to his own people, accused as blasphemy, and then handed over to the Romans. He was beaten, tortured, executed, put on a cross, killed, put in a tomb, dead. In fact, they were so... um, disappointed with this Messiah that not only that, but a few days before, they were crying out, let's coronate him. Coronate, you know, to to make him king, to give him a coronation. And then only a few days after that, they were saying, crucify him. How quickly they changed, depending on their expectations. 
those expectations weren't met, they cried out to crucify him. But you know what else? The ladies who were going to the tomb were expecting to go there with spices to anoint Jesus' body. They're expecting to go in that tomb and, and, and basically perform the ritual of anointing the, the dead body with these fragrances and the spices. What they didn't expect was an empty tomb. They did not expect that tomb to be empty. They did not expect Jesus to rise from the dead. In fact, the world did not expect that tomb to be empty. The world did not expect Jesus to rise from the dead. It changed the, the, the whole course of human history, that tomb being empty. God had gone beyond any expectation, any human thinking. Now, I get it. We can hear of people, um, it, you know, testimonies of people who've died, you know, had near-death experiences, or maybe been dead for an hour, or these kind of things. But in all of history, a person who was brutally executed Roman crucifixion style, they didn't muck around the Romans. If they crucified, you are definitely dead. You know? And all the testimonies that show about that crucifixion, we have through documented through history. And so the world did not expect someone to rise from the dead. And even today, even this very day, this whole notion of Jesus rising from the dead, this whole uh, notion of the resurrection confounds the world. But it really happened. This is not stories. This is not fairy tales. Okay? Anyone tells you it's a myth or it didn't happen, I want to tell you they've not studied the subject. They don't know about the evidences. They've not checked it out. This is a real historical event that happened. And if you have conversations today, like I might have with family or whatever like that, or, you know, friends or whatever, and they just go, oh, I don't believe in all that rubbish. I want to just give you a few little uh, evidences that might help you in some of your dialogue. So if we could just turn the lights off and just roll that first video, please. I like to look at the evidence for the resurrection in four categories. The first one is, did Jesus die on the cross? Was he dead? Virtually every scholar on planet Earth concedes that Jesus was dead after crucifixion. We have no record of anyone anywhere ever surviving a full Roman crucifixion. Uh, even the Journal of the American Medical Association uh, published a peer-reviewed scientific medical study of the evidence for the death of Jesus and said clearly the weight of the evidence indicates that Jesus was dead even before the wound to his side was inflicted. Even the atheist New Testament scholar, Gerd Ludemann, says historically it's indisputable that Jesus was dead. So Jesus was dead. The second category of evidence is the early accounts we have for the resurrection. In other words, I used to think as an atheist that the resurrection was a legend, and that took a long time to develop in the ancient world. But what I learned is that we have preserved for us a creed of the earliest Christian church, a creed that is a eyewitness-based report of the resurrection of Jesus. Now, this creed has been dated back by scholars to within months of the death of Jesus within months. That is historical gold. So we've got a newsflash from ancient history on the resurrection. Third category of evidence is the empty tomb. And the best evidence for that is even the opponents of Jesus implicitly admitted the tomb was empty. 
Because when the disciples began proclaiming that Jesus had risen, what the opponents said was, oh, well, um, the disciples stole the body. Now they're conceding the tomb's empty. They're just trying to explain how it got empty. So everybody's conceding the tomb was empty. How did it get empty is really the issue. And that goes to the fourth category of evidence, which is eyewitnesses. You know, for most of what we know about ancient history, it comes from one or maybe two sources of information. And yet for the conviction of the disciples that they encountered the resurrected Jesus, we have no fewer than nine ancient sources inside and outside the New Testament, confirming and corroborating the conviction of the disciples that they encountered the risen Christ. That is an avalanche of historical data. So you put all that together and you have a really good case for Easter. There you go. If any of you were in doubt about the resurrection, let me just put those doubts to bed for you. Because it says, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, our faith means nothing. Our faith means nothing if that tomb was not empty, or if the body was stolen, or if he didn't really die on the cross. This is the difference as well between uh, the Muslim faith. The Muslim faith say that he didn't actually die. It appeared that he died, but he didn't actually die. But they're against all of what biblical and historical scholars talk about about Jesus. It's completely different. And so when we look at the empty tomb, we see that it is good news because Jesus really rose from the dead. Jesus' body wasn't there. Jesus was witnessed by the early disciples. And that news spread. And the resurrection of Jesus is really, really, really good news. Really good news. Some of you today might not understand why is it really, really good news. And there's a reason for that. It's because I believe it's old news. For 2,000 years, the church has testified to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if you're a bit like me, but I actually love finding out what's happening going on in the world all the time. I like seeing the latest news and what's, what's happening and everything like that. And we have actually trained ourselves as, as a society to constantly, what, what's the latest news? What's the latest scoop? What's the latest thing? And sometimes we can come into church and we feel like we're hearing the same news all the time. And more often than not, when we hear something all the time, we kind of tune out a bit. Is it just me or is it, do you tune out a bit sometimes when you've heard the same stuff over and over again? We, we tend to see the gospel as old news, but it's just because it's old does not mean it's not good news. It's amazing news. And the gospel is still good news, and it's the best news there is. Just because it, it is old, just because we've talked about it for so many years, doesn't negate how good it is. Because what does it mean for us today? That's my second point. What does it mean for us today? Well, I'll tell you, it means exactly the same as it did yesterday. It means exactly the same as it did today. And it will mean exactly the same as it does forevermore. It will not change. The good news is not going to change. It's not going to all of a sudden be changed by someone else's opinion. It's not going to be changed by the the wave of culture. It's not going to be changed by whoever um, puts in their own two cents on it. It's solid. It's written in blood. It's risen from the dead. It is good news. You see, Jesus is the same yesterday, 
today and forevermore. But I tell you what else hasn't changed that makes it good news is the human condition. The human condition has not changed. You only have to walk probably about uh, 200 meters and you can see the brokenness of the human condition. You only have to walk maybe to your neighbor's house. Maybe, maybe even in your own family. Maybe yourself today. You're suffering from the human condition. Since the fall, the human condition hasn't changed. Sin has come into the world. Sickness, death. And we suffer because of the fall. And that's why Jesus came. He came to change all that. He came to save us from sin. And until there is a counter with the living Christ, nothing will change. And so this morning, I want us to have an encounter with the living Christ. There's going to be a time later where you can come forward and ask for a fresh encounter. Lord, give me a fresh encounter where my heart has come hard and hardened to the gospel. Soften my heart. Soften it with your love, your great love. As Karen shared earlier, that love that transforms us. You see, what it means for us is that we're supposed to be carriers of the gospel. We're supposed to carry the gospel. Just as Jesus carried the cross for our sins, just as the women carried the news of the empty tomb to the disciples, just as the disciples carried the gospel to um, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, we too are to carry the good news around us to our friends, to our family, to co-workers, and especially to the next generation. These little ones, we have to embody and carry this amazing good news to the little ones. And if you want to just flick the lights off again, I want you to watch this short video about the good news. You know, I think one of the great myths of our generation is that young people don't really care about evidence for the faith. They don't really care that Easter is not just bunnies and candy in a, in a basket, but there's something really important historically that took place. And so for my grandchildren, when I talk to them about the truth of the faith, I find that they're curious about how do we know this is true? You know, I can ask them the question, how do you know that I love you as your grandfather? They call me Papa. How do you know that Papa loves you? Oh, well... Because you, you help take care of us and you, you give us hugs and you encourage us. And I say, that's right. You can see from the evidence that I love you. And, uh, you know, the same is true of God. God has left evidence behind of his love for us. And the biggest evidence of God's love for us is Easter. The head that once was crowned. Jesus died so that we could be set free from our sins. His body there would not remain. He rose from the dead so that we could spend eternity with him. Our God has robbed the That's one of the great joys of life to be able to tell someone there is hope, there is redemption, 
There is eternal life. This is not a fairy tale or make-believe or wishful thinking. You can know it's true. You can meet Jesus personally, and he can open the doors of heaven. You can meet Jesus personally. You can lead other people to meet Jesus personally. You can experience this living Savior. I love this um, that I found on the death and resurrection in Christ. And I really want to speak it over us this morning. You were crucified with him, so you were glorified with him. You died with him, so you were made alive with him. You were buried with him, so you'll be raised up with him. He assumed the worst that he might give us the better. He became poor that by his poverty we might become rich. He accepted the form of a servant that we might win back our freedom. He came down that we might be lifted up. He was tempted that through him we might conquer. He was dishonored that he might glorify us. He died that he might save us. He ascended that he might draw to himself, us who were thrown down through the fall of sin. Let us become like Christ, since Christ became like us. Let us become divine for his sake, since he became man. Let us give all, offer all to him who gave himself a ransom and reconciliation for us. Let us offer to him who suffered and rose again for us, ourselves, the possession of the most precious to God. How then should we live in light of that, in light of the resurrection, in light of this glorious gospel, this good news? How should we live? You know, we can attend church, right? We can go in week in, week out, year in, year out, and still be a slave to dead religion and dead works. You know, you can know all about Easter, all about uh, Christmas, the doctrines of the Christian faith. You can even know the Bible cover to cover and quote it verbatim, but still never have a living relationship with Jesus. Do you know that? How should we live? You know, the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. See, Paul at the end of his life, years of ministry, years of miracles, years of missions, and yet at the end of all that, he says, oh, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Do you know him this morning? Do you know him? Not know of him, not know about him. Do you know him? Knowing about him without an encounter with him is just the same as finding an empty tomb. There's no Jesus there, for he's risen, and we're to chase down the living, risen Christ in our lives. And if we're not doing that, we don't truly know him. And we know him through the power of his resurrection. 
His resurrection is the evidence of who he is, who he said he is. Now, I can stand on a park bench and declare to Perth that I'm the Messiah. And people think you're nuts, you're a fruitcake. But it's a different story if I raise from the dead three days later. That's the difference. The empty tomb is the difference. The appearance of Jesus to the disciples, that they were willing to go to their deaths is the difference. That changed the course of human history. You see, his resurrection is the evidence of who he is and our hope in eternal life through his sacrifice on the cross for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but receive eternal life. The power of his resurrection is the foundation of our faith. That my sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. We are forgiven. And by God's grace, we are set free from death because he died for me and rose again. And if I die with him, I will be raised with him. If you die with him, you will be raised by him. Death has no hold over you anymore. No fear. Why are you worrying about your health? Why are you worrying about what you have and what you don't have? Why are you worrying about any of those things? They're all fuel for the fire. For he raised from the dead. You will die, but you will raise with him again. This is the truth that rocked the world because these disciples were not ashamed of this truth. They were not afraid of this truth. They lost the fear of death. They didn't care because they were crucified, they were tortured, some were pulled apart by horses, but they would not deny what they saw and what they experienced and who they knew. I wonder, church, do we need resurrecting? Do we need resurrecting in this hour, the final hour? I say we do. Come on, Holy Spirit, resurrect us. Because if we do not know him and we do not know the power of his resurrection, we are whitewashed tombs. We have a form of godliness, but do not deny, we, we deny the power therein. We need the power of the living Christ to set us free from everything that enslaves us to fear, the fear of man, the fear of death, the fear of the devil. More Christians are afraid of the devil than they fear God. Come on, church. He crushed fear. He crushed death with death. On camp, we had this speaker come in, and he was telling us how he, he, he went and climbed a mountain with his boy. It was in Tasmania. And his boy's like, holy, what, was he five years old or something? Three years old. Takes this little kid up the mountain. And I think of the first 100 meters, he's like, yeah, pick me up. But he's like, come on, son, you're a mountain crusher. You can crush this mountain. Come on, son. And he encouraged him all the way, encouraged him all the way. And that little boy made it to the top of the mountain. I kid you not. God is for you. He wants you to crush fear. He wants you to crush death. But it's through the power of the resurrection, which we need a fresh impartation today. If you have Jesus Christ... You have the power of his resurrection. Do you know him? Do you know him, church? There's some here today who do not know Jesus, but they think that they do. 
And as the Bible says, we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. I don't want anyone in that camp today. I want everyone to walk away in the knowledge that they know their Savior. They know Jesus Christ. They know the power of his resurrection. Could I have the worship team back up, please? Some of you might not even know Jesus Christ and thinking, who is this nutcase on stage? Someone give him a sedative. No, I want to tell you. I was saved from sin. I was saved from death. I have the resurrection life of Jesus Christ living inside of me. I've testified to his goodness in my life and I see it evidence daily. And he speaks to me and I know him and I love him. And yet even when I fail, even when I'm unfaithful, he is faithful. And it was never dependent on my ability to save myself because if Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead, he is just a good example, as Estelle said. But what an example that could not be attained by anyone else. No, more than that. He died for my sins. He died for your sins. And if you're unwilling to actually look at yourself in the cold, hard light of truth, you're a sinner. You're a sinner in need of salvation. We've all lied. We've all stolen. We've all thought unclean thoughts in our hearts, and some of us have done unclean actions. But all that, when I accepted the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, was washed away. That I had a conscience that was free, free from fear, free from anxiety, free from the power of sin. And the resurrection power gives us the power for the freedom of sin. So if you do not know Jesus Christ, know him and you can experience his power today. But it takes you bowing the knee. It takes you submitting and surrendering yourself to the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It actually happened. It's not a fairy tale. He's changing people's lives as we speak all across the world right now. He's drawing all people in because he doesn't desire that anyone should perish, that all should receive eternal life. He doesn't delight in the destruction of the wicked. He wants all to be saved and come to the knowledge of salvation. We like to know about everything else but, but of Jesus Christ, but of the knowledge of salvation. Because when you need to live and you're having death strip you away, you need the power of the resurrection. When life is slipping away, when you have no control over circumstances and situations, you need to know who your Savior is. And nothing else is going to save you. And some of you know Jesus, but the good news is old news. And I want to tell you that God wants you to experience resurrection power. Has the gospel become old news? Have you stopped sharing it because everyone's heard it? 
We all know there's more than one way to share the gospel. The best way is to live it. And maybe this day, the day of all days, you need to have an encounter with the living Savior, Jesus Christ. If there is something stopping you to accept in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, I want to tell you it's not from God. It might be your own pride. It might be your own fear of what people might think of you. If you draw the line in the sand and say, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you, as soon as I made that decision, yeah, I lost friends, I lost money, I lost all those things, but I'd give it all up again in an instant. Because what I've experienced, I can't even describe to you. Like, you wouldn't even believe me. The things I've experienced in sin, knowing his resurrection, knowing who he is, I wouldn't trade it for all the tea in China. But yet, we have this precious gift given to us, the gift of eternal life, the gospel, the good news that can set family, friends, co-workers, colleagues free. And all we have to do is live in the power of the resurrection to talk about this amazing God. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Your lives are the Word of God. A testimony written. The Easter story is continuously playing in your lives. And I want more of that for you, church. I want you to leave this place as those disciples did when they saw Jesus. Shouting and praising and going to the temple and worshipping. I want you guys to experience that. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would just bring your love and your conviction of sin and righteousness as you promised in your word. people may know that they need you and your saving work on that cross and the power of your resurrection. Church, just bow your heads with me and just pray this moment. Lord, I ask right now you just stir in the hearts of your people and those who you're calling to be your sons and your daughters. That you'd stir on the hearts of those you're calling from darkness into light where they're trapped in the same old routines and the same old sins and the same old misery. Let your light break forth. Let the stone of the tomb be rolled away that they can rise with you in resurrection power. While your eyes are closed and heads bowed, I just want to ask if there's anyone here tonight, this morning, sorry, who accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour, who knows 
that they don't have a relationship with Jesus. I want you to raise your hand because I want to pray with you. I want to introduce you to Jesus. If you know you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, thank you, and you need to know Jesus Christ, you need to accept His forgiveness, you need to accept salvation, I want you to lay down your pride and raise your hand because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. If that's you, raise your hand. I want to pray with you. I want to introduce you to Jesus Christ. Right, for those of you who raised your hand, I want you to come and step forward to take that bold step of faith. And I'm going to pray with you. This is where it happens. This is where you lay it down. This is where you let go of shame. This is where you let go of fear. Step forward. I want to pray with you. It's okay. We've all done this. Everyone in this room, have you stepped forward? Yeah. Let's give her a round of applause, hey? This is the best decision. It's time to lay it all down, okay? Time to lay it all down. Church, would you extend your hand, please? Just pray after me. Father, thank you for your son. accept what you've done for me, Jesus. I know that I'm a sinner, but I trust you for my salvation. So right now, I want to give you my life. With all its brokenness, and make something new with it, Lord. Jesus, thank you for dying for me, for forgiving me of my sins and giving me new life. Holy Spirit, I ask that you fill me afresh. Pour out your presence in me that I may know you in the power of the resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen.